No, the the other day I was shaving the little bit that I do shave, and I noticed the increasing amount of gray in my beard. And then I looked a little too close at the sides and saw a few more grays than I used to. And and then the other morning I woke up and I've got a zit on my face and over here on my scalp and I'm, my skin's breaking out. I'm graying. I've got joint pain everywhere and I feel like I'm falling apart. And part of it probably is because I'm just going, going, going these days. Y'all know me by now. I have a hard time saying no when someone asks something of me. And that's why I'm at two churches, the city council, seven school districts. You know, I can't, I can't stop moving. Even this morning I got here and noticed that everything was set up from the movie last week and I had to scramble to do that. But, you know, this sermon this morning is stepping on my toes as much as it's stepping on anybody's. And we all know that some sermons are a little hard to swallow every once in a while and and this one is about rest. It's about taking the time to just calm down, be still, and appreciate the day that you have. It's really hard for modern Christians. It's probably the hardest thing for us to do is to sit still. Sometimes I feel like I was born in the wrong decade because I do enjoy just sitting on a porch watching people come by, but I haven't done it in probably months, if not years, because there's always something more important for me to do than sit around and do nothing. And yet God, He stresses the importance of taking time to sit back and relax and appreciate and meditate on things. I've said this a thousand times before, but one of the reasons that so many Christians have a disconnect with God is because when they go to Him in prayer and they pour their soul into the prayer, they say their amen, hop back up and get on with their lives. How many of you ever sit down and just meditate and just listen for God? No, we, we, we don't mind talking to Him. We talk to Him plenty. But how many of us actually take the time to sit there and hope that we hear back from Him? And so the stress, it just snowballs in our lives because we don't actually take time to process anything. And we're just going, going, going nonstop, all day, every day. I'll sleep when I'm dead is something I've heard quite a bit. Growing up, that's something my dad always said. When I retire, because right now he was just so focused on work that everything for himself was pushed back to retirement. Which luckily for him, it's this year he's finally retiring from the mill out there. But, but growing up, I'm like, that's 20 years away you're talking about. And you can't do that now. But, but when it comes to rest, when it comes to relaxation, when it comes to rejuvenation of our entire being, because rest, it's not just about resting the, the body. It's about the mind and the soul as well. But we look at God, right? Because several weeks back I talked about how in terms of all of creation, we are the closest things to God there is. God made us in His image. There's nothing in the universe more like God than we are. So we can always turn to Him to see a model of how we should act, of how we should be. He is the greatest role model for all of us in that regard. But I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 this morning. It's all about that seventh day, rest. And we talk a lot about how God is infinite, how God is all-powerful. But it speaks volumes for the fact that after He creates everything in the universe, the stars, the planets, all of life, mankind, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, all of it, 
He feels the need to sit back, lay back in his recliner, rest his eyes. That's what my dad would always say. He'd get home from work and he'd lay back in the couch. Dad, you sleep. I'm just resting my eyes, he would say. I get a little bit more now. But on the chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 1, it states, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And thus marks what we call the Sabbath. It's a special day. It's a day of rest, a day set aside to contemplate the work you had done the other six days of the week. I was talking the other day to some parents about it, or some teachers. You know, used to, Wednesdays and Sundays, nobody did anything. You didn't plan any birthdays, you didn't do ball games, you didn't have tournaments. That was God's day, that's the day for church. And now I'm seeing more and more ball practices on Wednesday afternoons and Sunday mornings and and things rolling into the weekend and encroaching on these, these sacred days that we have set up for church. And we're getting farther and farther away from those, those spiritual traditions in life. That Sundays are sacred. Sunday's not just church day, it's God's day. It's the Sabbath, it's the holy day. It's the day that is reserved for something special, something unique, something important. What's interesting about God is that He has given us quite literally everything that we have. The bodies that we inhabit, the families that we're born into, the community, the the grass that we walk on, the air that we breathe, all of it is a gift from Him. And yet when it comes down to tithing, it comes down to what He's wanting back from us, it's not a whole lot, right? Daily prayer, 10% of our income. He talks on the early... Jewish people to set aside, you know, one sacrifice out of their herd. A small percentage of their crops. He doesn't want everything, even though He gives us it all. And I think back to my own parents and to Addie as she gets older. You know, when I was... Growing up, I felt like it was my bedroom, it was my stuff, and I didn't like it when my parents came into my space. But as a parent myself, I realized now, like, that was all theirs. Just because I claimed it for me doesn't change the fact that they bought it, that it was theirs, and that everything was owed to them. But to look back on what they expected me to do, the simple chores in the house, the few things they actually expected out of me and my brother, it wasn't a whole lot. They weren't slave drivers, they didn't demand every waking hour of our day, they asked very little. But the little that they did ask of, they wanted it done. Because it was a sign of respect for their authority in the house. And God is the same way. He's looking down at His creation and He's saying, look, I'm giving you free will, which is the greatest gift He has ever given any of us. And it also led to our downfall in many, many ways. He could make us do anything that He wanted us to do. But he doesn't. In the same way that my parents could have forced me to do any of the chores, but they would rather me make the decision to do it on my own. 
And so God calls on us to do some things in our life. Some of them are a lot harder than others. For some Christians, it's a lot easier to write that check every Sunday for 10% than it is to love their neighbor across the road. For some Christians, it's a lot easier to love everybody, but it's harder to not sit down and pay the bills to do work on a Sunday afternoon when they have the time. And trust me, this is one of those toe-stepping sermons. Because there's many a Sundays I'm up here and I hear the mowers going. There's many a Sundays I know you go home and you try to get caught up on work. I've worked jobs plenty that demanded my weekends of me. Clock in. In fact, when I was a teenager, every Sunday morning I was down there at the Burger King opening up, missing church because I needed the money. But what happens is we begin to realize that we put priorities before God and we make excuses for them. Turn with me, if you would, to chapter 31 of Exodus. We talked about the Sabbath a few summers ago when we went through the Ten Commandments and we talked about each and every one of them every Sunday. Some of them are pretty easy for us to follow. Don't murder anybody, right? We, we can pretty do pretty well with that. You know, worship God and God alone, that, that's, that's fairly easy in some sense. But to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy might be the one that we modern American Christians struggle with the most. Chapter 31 of Exodus, verse 12, it states, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Perpetual, meaning on and on and on, forever and ever. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, he says. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. So we, we catch this bit of Scripture while he's giving Moses the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, right? The center of Jewish law, the center of law for cultures to come. So much of today rests on those two tablets. And right before he departs, the last thing God wants to make sure Moses understands is the importance of the Sabbath. And we see in books to come that the Jewish people really struggle with this because as they establish the nation of Israel, as they fall into slavery to other nations, as they become part of this, this huge multicultural world, 
there are so much scripture where the Jewish people are sitting back on the Sabbath, not working, and they see everybody else making money. They see the other merchants selling goods. They see the other farmers out there tilling their fields. And they're thinking, hey, we're falling behind because we're not working like they are. And we see this struggle they have because the Sabbath, in a lot of ways, is what separates the spiritual versus the rest of the world. And it's a hard struggle to set aside that one day a week. That's 52 days a year to sit around and do nothing. That's almost two whole months of your time. That you can be getting caught up on to-dos, that you can be getting stuff tidied up, getting your household administrations taken care of, bills paid, your grocery shopping done. But God is a, a very loving Father. He cares deeply about us. And He's telling us, slow down and rest. Take care of yourself. Bond with Me. Have this conversation with Me. Have this day with Me. I've set it aside for something holy, something unique. And it's for our own good. I'm 30 years old and I've got a zit on my face because I'm stressing myself out working and going non-stop all the time. We know there's power in rest. We know there's, there's power and strength in slowing down. When I sit down with my students and we work on our handwriting, there's a phrase I have said probably 10,000 times at this point. Slow is smooth. And smooth is fast. And I say this motto all the time because a lot of kids with their handwriting, they get in such a hurry, that's why it's sloppy. So I tell them, if you slow down, you, you write smooth. And by writing smooth, by writing letters in the right way, you're actually a little bit faster because you're not going back and fixing all of your errors. Well, this is true to a lot of things in life. How many of us have worked jobs where you've got to go slow and deliberate because if you speed through it, you're going to spend more time cleaning up the mess that you make doing it. I learned that when I started mowing. As a kid, one of my first jobs was, was mowing cemeteries. And the first several times I did it, I'd get that weed eater and mowing tombstones just tore up the string. But I'd do it real quick, just trying to get done. And then I'm loading up and I look out there from a distance and I see all that stuff I had missed. I dig the weeder back out, put more gas in it, more string, and back into it I go because I was in too much of a hurry to do a thorough job. If I had just slowed down, taken my time, noticed all the small things, it would have been done right the first time. So many of us are so caught up speeding through this life, working hard day to day, and just barreling through everything that God is putting in front of us, that we miss so many signs from Him, so many ways He's trying to talk to us, to communicate to us. We're missing so many opportunities for Him to come into our lives. We are missing out on what God has for us because we are so caught up in the material world. 
Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. Because Jesus, He talks about what kind of a life we have as disciples of Christ. He talks about what it means to truly give ourselves to Jesus, truly accept His salvation and make that our identity. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, it states, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Verse 27, he continues, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you a rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We hear that a lot, right? Take up your cross and follow me. That's a common expression amongst us Christians. It's about, about putting aside everything that makes us who we are and following Christ and being a true disciple to Him. But when we picture that, that pick up our cross and follow Him, we kind of have that imagery of Him carrying His own cross to the city. All the weight on His shoulders, that, that humiliation that He experienced walking through the streets and having who knows what, hurled at him. And yet, here he's saying, when you take up my yoke, it is light. It is easy to carry, because he's carrying it with us. But he tells us something interesting here, right? He tells us that to follow Christ, to become disciples in his name, means that he will give us rest. That he is gentle and lowly in heart, and that we will find rest for our souls. Rest, 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 Jesus talks about. Living a Christian life, living a life in Jesus' name is not about burning ourselves out. It's not about working our way into an early grave, right? And I need to hear this as much as anybody. It's about finding rest in Jesus. It's about finding that calmness, that stillness, that ability to sit back and think, God has this. I don't need to be stressed out. I don't need to be going, going, going all day long. I need to be anxious for nothing, the Scripture tells us. Now, there is plenty of argument about being diligent and hardworking. I'm not saying we need to be lazy because he tells us the other six days is for work. And when he says work, he doesn't mean an eight to five job. He means those farmers getting out at sun up and working until sundown. But he's still setting aside that sacred day, that holy day, that Sabbath, and saying, take a breather. Take a rest. I remember my mom, when she was on the fire department, one of her big jobs was to, to monitor the other firefighters and say, Hey, you need to sit down for a second and cool off and breathe and get some water. 
Because it gets real easy to get caught up in all of that and not take care of yourself and take a break, right? That's one of the things that coaches do on the sidelines. They monitor those players who need to take a beat and just breathe for a minute. It's important to make sure that we're getting that rest that we need. And, and, and God has scheduled it in every seven days for the rest of our life. It's right there. That day of rest. The day of reconciliation. The day of rejuvenation. The day of reconnection with God and our families. Those few summers ago when I, when I preached about the Sabbath the first time, I tried really hard to follow that. I have not done any of my actual therapy work on a Sunday in a long time now. But it's really hard not to get out there when I have nothing else to do and grab the weed eater and clean up the yard, get on the mower. It's really hard not to knock out that growing pile of laundry. <laughs> and it's harder still to figure out, okay, is washing the dishes work or do I, what, what, what do I do here? But we know, right? We know when we're doing things we don't need to be doing, when we're putting a priority over God. Because God is essentially saying, look, those other six days, you work whatever you need to work. You do whatever you need to do. But Sunday's my day. He's asking for one day out of seven. He could be asking for every day. And we need to be connected to Him every day. But we need to also remember that He has set aside this day for Himself. And there's a lot of information on there about the Sabbath. I've come across many things about how to prepare your week for the Sabbath to make sure that when you plan out your week and you do your to-do list, that you just set Sunday as that special day. That you don't go to sleep Saturday night until you get everything done that needs to be done the next day. Part of the reason why I work so much on Sunday evenings is because I had all this stuff due first thing Monday morning that I really could have done at any point in the prior weeks. But I procrastinated and pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back and now Sunday rolls around and it's due. And I put my own comfort my own procrastination in front of God's need to connect with myself. In front of God's need to have this special day for me. This is one of those, those scriptures that a lot of modern Christians like to just kind of skim over real quick. Okay, the Sabbath, I'll go to church and I'll let that be that. But there's a lot more to it and it's a hard pill to swallow. Trust me, I've been there. It's one of those things that a lot of us want to be ignorant of and say, oh, well, this Sunday is different. And then five years goes by and we realize that we spend every single Sunday doing something. But what I implore you to do is even if you have a job that demands you be there on Sunday morning, not a lot of us are, are lucky enough to work Monday through Friday kind of jobs. Even if you have set aside a special project that you need to do only on that Sunday, the rest of the time, devote ourselves to God, to prayer, to Scripture, to having those conversations with our family, to rest, relaxation. It sounds like something reserved for just vacations, but God knows the importance of it. He knows the importance of being well-rested and rejuvenated. 
Because that's how we win those battles. All those spiritual battles I've been talking about all year long, we cannot do it when we are tired and stressed and go, go, go. We have to take a rest. We have to be rejuvenated to win these battles. These battles against temptation, against sin, against the enemy, because if we're not rested, Satan knows how to get to us so, so quick. We honor the Sabbath. We honor that day. And we rest so that Monday morning we can wake up rejuvenated and ready to fight whatever battle comes our way. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, so many of us struggle with this commandment, Lord. So many of us need this day to get caught up, to to get things done. But Lord God, let us prioritize You in our lives. Lord, let us put You first on this day. Your needs to, to not command anything of us but our time so that You can reconnect with Your children. So that You can join us and You can speak with us. Present things to us, Lord. Lord God, we thank You for all that You've done in our lives. Lord, we thank You for for how much You have helped us and, and worked in our lives. But Lord, we just pray that You continue to watch over us, to open our hearts and our minds to Your wisdom, to forgive us for our sins, to forgive us for all the times we have put the world before You. Lord, we just pray that You you forgive us and You give us the strength to forgive others. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Harridge Sermons. If you feel led to donate to my message or to this show, I ask that you simply donate your time or money to a local food pantry, charity, or mission. And if you ever find yourself in Southwest Arkansas, feel free to visit. We'd love to have you. You can find us at the Ben Loman Cumberland Presbyterian Church at 10 a.m. or the Brownstown Community Church at 11. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'd love to see you.